Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Were Joseph Smith's plates gold or gold den? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are responding to a comment made by a Latter-day Saint by the name of Robert Fuston. He posted this on one of our YouTube videos where I am talking with an LDS lady on the streets of Manti during the Mormon miracle pageant. And he seems to think that my arguments really don't carry any weight. So we are going through his rebuttal really sentence by sentence at least, uh, trying to show that personally I feel that his rebuttals are not very good at all. I think he's making a lot of this stuff up. I don't think he's got some good research behind him, and I feel that his accusations are serious enough that, that a rejoinder is worthwhile. And so we're going to look at what Mr. Fuston says, because I'm sure there are a lot of Latter-day Saints out there that hope that his arguments are true. Because you and I have found, Eric that this subject of the gold plates is of utmost importance, because even as Mormon apostle Jeffrey R. Holland said, that if this story's not true, the church can't be true. And I would agree. If there were no gold plates that really had Reformed Egyptian, then there is no Book of Mormon. If there is no Book of Mormon, it's useless and even silly to pray any type of Moroni's prayer asking whether or not this book is true, because there wouldn't be any book. It's completely made up. And as I've always believed, I think the Book of Mormon is nothing more than a 19th century novel. But anyway, let's go back and let's, again, look at Mr. Fuston's rebuttal to my conversation with this Mormon lady on YouTube. He writes, if you check, there's very few references that the plates were ever made of pure gold or of gold at all, and those references do not actually exist as a direct reference. They have always, in direct reference, been called golden plates. Let me stop you there. He says they have always, in direct reference, been called gold, golden plates. I'm going to challenge him on that because that's not true. If you were to do uh, any type of a word search on the web, even using Mormon programs, you're going to find that, a, at least what I found, a two-to-one margin between the plates being referred to as gold plates as opposed to golden plates. Now, I'm not arguing that you have a lot of people who use the phrase golden plates. And remember a few years ago, Eric, there was a push to really start using that word golden as opposed to gold. But I think you made a good point yesterday. What did the angel say? What did Moroni say? Now, Moroni worked on these plates, according to the Book of Mormon narrative, Moroni worked on these plates with his father, Mormon, as these plates were being abridged. Are you going to tell me that Moroni didn't know what kind of metal was being used in the making of these plates? Well, you would think if he existed at all, of course he knew what the metal was. And he said what to Joseph Smith? He said that the record were written on gold 
plates, gold plates. Bill, you've asked a lot of people on the street, what were the plates made of? What's the response you typically get from Latter-day Saints? That's a question that I often ask at the very beginning of the conversation before I challenge them to lift my replica set of sheet metal plates. What do you think the plates were made of? They'll say gold. And I'll say the metal gold. And they'll usually nine times, no, I wouldn't even say nine times out of 10. It's probably 99 out of 100. They would say yes. Sometimes they'll even say, of course. Why would they say that? Because that's what they've heard. That's what they've read. That's how they've come to understand this story. It's an amazing story that these plates were made on such a precious metal and that Joseph Smith translates these gold plates into what they call the Book of Mormon today. I've had some say, well, they were golden. And why do they do that? It's because Joseph Smith himself said that the plates were, had a golden appearance to them. Well, my response to that is, well, doesn't gold have a golden appearance? Of course it does. So does that really imply that the plates could not have been made of gold simply because Joseph Smith said they had the appearance of gold? I don't see how that nullifies the fact that the plates could have been made of, of solid gold, or I should say pure gold. But yet a lot of Mormons who know that gold is heavy... And as we mentioned yesterday, you have Mormon apostles knowing that gold is heavy. If the place were actually made of gold, they know that that would be way too heavy for someone like Joseph Smith to carry. So what's their problem? They have to get the weight down to a manageable level. Think about that, folks. If they're arguing to get the weight of the plates down to a manageable level, they cannot do that and simultaneously use the argument that there was some kind of supernatural intervention on the part of God to enable Joseph Smith to carry such a weight. So you can't have it both ways. If you're going to say the plates were made of gold and God had to give him supernatural strength to carry it, fine, I have a rebuttal to that as well. But you can't say it was made of an alloy and also use the supernatural weight theory. Because why couldn't God supernaturally enable Joseph Smith to carry lighter alloy plates as opposed to gold plates weighing 200 pounds? You would think that God would be able to make him lift the 200 pounds just as much as any lighter weight. Robert Freston goes on and writes, Brass, bronze, Almost any alloy of copper is golden. Uh, let me just correct that. In many cases, copper, it's not golden. It's red or it's green when it starts to oxidize. Right. Just look at the Statue of Liberty. If you've ever been inside the Statue of Liberty, ask anyone who's visited. What's the color inside the Statue of Liberty? Red. What's the color on the outside of the Statue of Liberty? Green. Why? Oxidation. Even copper starts to decompose after a period of time. This is why you can't just have plates made of copper. You have to mix it. If you're going to go with the alloy theory, you have to mix it with a metal that is going to last. And this is why, as I mentioned, Reed Putnam, as a metallurgist, knows you have to have a certain amount of gold mixed in with the alloy in order to preserve those plates over all the many centuries that they were buried in the ground. He continues, and on those occasions where reference is made of gold, gold also happens to be a color, in case that wasn't clear in the first paragraph. Furthermore, the man is propagating an absolute lie. I didn't, and he's talking about you, Bill. I didn't. I figured that. 
<laughs> I didn't grow up on a farm, and when I was no larger than Joseph Smith was at that time, I tested for the Detroit Police Department and was very capable of picking up a 160-pound dummy and running with it without any issue. Okay, this is not the first time I've heard this argument. When I was out on the streets of Manti, I had a, a woman use the very similar argument. She said to me that she was training, I believe she said she was training to be an emergency medical technician, an EMT. And she used a very similar argument, that they had to carry people, okay? I don't think she used the word dummy, but she had to carry a person on her back. Okay, remember, when you carry someone on your back, you're carrying them where? On your back. Joseph Smith isn't carrying these plates on his back. According to the story, he tucks them under his arm and heads for home. Now, I'm not going to imply that he always carried them under his arm. He may have if he had plates at all. And again, I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt because I don't believe this story at all. He may have carried them for a while, let's say, with both hands in front of him or whatever. But still, he's not carrying them on, on his back. And it's a very concentrated object that he's carrying. That's key. Right there, Bill. The weight is not distributed as it would be carrying, let's say, a person over his shoulder, as Mr. Fuston is trying to imply. Again, Mr. Fuston, are you going to tell me and all of our radio audience that you could carry a 160-pound man or dummy, in this case, without any issue for a distance of three miles with men trying to chase after you or at least trying to take this dummy away from you. You have to repeat the story as it is given. Smith wasn't carrying a 160-pound dummy. He said he was carrying these gold plates. And you made that point of them being condensed. And you have to understand, Joseph Smith was pulling them out of the the stone box supposedly that they were buried in and to be able to have leverage to be able to do that with such a condensed piece. Now I bench press 200 plus pounds. I'll do reps of 15. Not that I'm that strong, but because it's on a bar and because it has the weights distributed, I can do 200 pounds. But I have lifted Sanders plates that we were talking about yesterday. That Those plates are 118 pounds. There's no way that I would be able to take those and carry those for 100 yards, let alone for three miles. And so uh, it, this is what uh, Fustin continues on saying. Furthermore, as an example, lumberjacks of the 1700s and 1800s were not large burly men. They were very thin because they worked 12, 13, 14 hours a day falling trees and cutting them up and moving them. They also had a diet which consisted of about 9,000 calories a day. Now, these skinny men were not trifled with because they were more powerful than almost any other human beings walking around at the time. So just because this fat slob can't pick up a 200-pound brick and carry it anywhere doesn't mean that somebody else might not have been able to. I guess that fat slob is me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that, Bill, but that's what he says. Okay. All right. I'll give it to him. He wants to use ad hominem. Whenever anybody uses an ad hominem, that's, again, just a telltale sign that somebody probably doesn't have a good argument. And in this case, I think Mr. Fuston is, again, uh, giving us a very bad argument. Who cares about lumberjacks of the 1700s and 1800s? We're talking about Joseph Smith. And I've even admitted to many Latter-day Saints, I'm sure Joseph Smith was very strong, He worked on a farm. He was felling trees in order to clear land. No doubt, he was a strong guy, but he wasn't that strong. And using an example of alleged lumberjacks of the 17 and 1800s is really not a good argument because you're saying they were not burly men. How do you know that? 
You mean every lumberjack that you've ever looked at a photograph? First of all, where are you getting a photograph of a lumberjack in the 1700s? How do you know they weren't burly men? This is totally irrelevant. But when he says these skinny men, now he knows they're skinny. Where does he come up with this? They were not to be trifled with because they were more powerful than almost any other human beings walking around at the time. They may have been strong. They have been powerful, Mr. Fuston, but they could not replicate the story. And that's my argument. So when you say, just because this fat slob, meaning me, can't pick up a 200-pound brick and carry it anywhere doesn't mean that somebody else might not have been able to. And that's where I'm challenging, Mr. Fuston. Nobody can do this. I say that bluntly. That's how sure I am of my argument. No one can do what Joseph Smith claimed to have accomplished. And this can be repeated It can be observed and repeated like a science experiment. I'm not throwing out numbers that are arbitrary, like John Witzo and his 10% air gap. I'm not throwing out other arbitrary numbers, like a 12-carat weight of alloy, as Reed Putnam throws out. I'm saying, let's take the story as it is, and let's see if we can duplicate it. I've been doing that for years. It cannot be duplicated. So you can throw out all these lumberjacks. You can call me a fat slob because I can't pick up a 200 pound brick, but I'm just saying, Mr. Fuston, nobody can do this. It cannot be repeated. Therefore, there's something seriously wrong with the story. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.